Welcome to Changing Reels, a podcast that aims to change the conversation on diversity and representation in cinema one reel at a time. My name is Courtney Small. I write about film for several publications, including ThatShelf.com, where this show is hosted, and Cinema Access, to name a few. I'm also the co-host of the podcast Frameline. Today, I'm joined by film critic and veterinarian Dr. Hilary Butler. Hilary writes about film for the site Live for Film. And she's also a Cherry Picks approved film critic. Hillary, how are you doing today? I am uh, enjoying the sunshine, thankfully. We've actually had some sun this week, so I will take it. Yes, and it's been rather cons- <laughs> consistent. We've we've had some days where the sun was shining and then it snowed, and 2020 has just been a, a, a strange year. Uh, yeah, I mean, we could go into that, but we probably shouldn't. But yes, 2020 has been a very strange year. <laughs> weather-wise, weather-wise. We're... Yeah, yes. Sure. We're not going to get into like the murder hornets or anything else like that. Oh my gosh, the murder <laughs> hornets. They're so scary. Uh, our main film for today is the 2019 comedy Booksmart, directed by Olivia Wilde. On the eve of their high school graduation, best friends Molly and Amy realize that they spent most of their high school life studying and missed out on the fun experiences. Something that they plan to rectify by going to the year's biggest party. Now, Hillary, do you want to kick us off on your thoughts about Booksmart? First of all, I think this is a movie that I very much identify with. <laughs> not not to say that I am these characters, but I can see a lot of myself in these characters. I was that study nerd in high school. So that's what I liked about it, that I actually saw like a high school film that kind of represented my high school experience. I guess the other thing I guess I would say that I like about this movie in comparison to some of the other teen, I guess, films is that uh, it didn't really, I guess, fall into the trap of some of the cliquey kind of tropes that they like to show. And uh, that's what made it stand out for me. And it's it's interesting that you said that because I share a lot of the same sentiments. I wasn't necessarily the geeky one in high school because definitely my marks did not reflect that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I too was taken by this film just because of how it kind of skews a lot of the tropes that we've grown up with in seeing and especially in teen movies. Like just in prepping for this film, I was... I did a quick Google search of, you know, recent teen films, and it was like opening the floodgates because <laughs> things were going back all the way to, I guess, 80s Fast Times, Richmond High. And then I started looking sure. at the all the types of teen films that were coming up, and they were, I guess they'd fall into like two types of tropes. They were either the male-led ones where it was about losing virginity and drinking, or it was, there was a, a large chunk of female led teen films where it was about like the makeover and the prom sure yes whereas yep. i find this film doesn't have that and i think one of the things that really struck me about this movie is that molly and amy are smart people yes they take pride in the fact that they worked hard that they studied hard they have flaws any other film they would have been like a supporting character whereas here they get to be the lead yeah absolutely and i mean i think that they in this high school there are still those cliquey groups, you have that, those, you know, drama group and, you know, the skater group and maybe the, what would be considered, I guess, the slacker group, although they turn out really not to be, but they all intermingle with one another. You know, like, it's not like when they go to the pool party, the jocks pushing the nerd into the pool. <laughs> and and that certainly reflected more my high school experience and that we all, there were groups certainly, but we all kind of also intermingled. So what I liked about this was it seemed to be a more, in my mind, a truth, more truthful adaptation. They also didn't really seem to fall into that. You know, you mentioned uh, categories of teen movies, but there was also quite a few like Mean Girls type movies. <laughs> and 
these characters were those girls, which I liked because I, I find sometimes that, you know, those are very much represented in what a, a girl is like in high school. I will say, though, that I think they have some mean girl as qualities that they don't realize that they have. They're not necessarily mean girls, but and, and what I say, what I mean by that is in mean girls, it was a lot of about perception. And in this case, the catalyst of this film is that Molly pretty much perceived that she was going to have a better life than everyone else because she did what she had to do. And then she realized, as you point out, the slackers weren't actually slackers. Sure. I mean, she's very judgy. Yes. <laughs> she's she's very judgy that, you know, everyone should be spending the same amount of time that, you know, she did studying. And there were also people who, you know, obviously were still, you know, writing graffiti on walls and they had those aspects, but they didn't harp on them. But yes, yeah, certainly it is one of, I guess, their flaws in their own like two person clique that they have. Yeah, and it's also, I, I guess, probably one of the main things that they have to realize about themselves. They don't have the world figured out like they, they thought they did, and especially <laughs> Molly. Like, Molly doesn't even have her best friend figured out, you know? So I, I like that aspect of it as as well. Let's dive in a bit in regards to, I guess, how Molly and Amy interact with their fellow people. Because as you said, like the schools that we went to, everyone kind of co-mingled. You had people that didn't like each other or what have you, but it sure. was a lot more relaxed than the structures that most teen films have. So do you just want to talk a bit about some of the some of their interactions with their, their fellow classmates and how that kind of kicks off a lot of the humor in this film yeah well i mean i think that the biggest element for molly is that she has that certain control element and you certainly see that in some of the responses of her classmates to her right like they they see her as yeah okay she's the class president and she you know is the first one to speak up in class and you know they all have that rolling their eye moment at molly when she gets up kind of in one of the first classroom scenes i guess um and then when they see amy Amy is just labeled as her sidekick. I think actually one of the kids actually calls her that in, a, I think, one of the party scenes. And what's interesting to me is that Molly, I guess, tries to extend that controlling nature into pretty much everybody that she interacts with, including Amy, which ends up coming to a head a little bit later on down the road. And yet she still seems likable from the other students' perspectives, which I found interesting. <laughs> You know, she still has this, and as a, as a, you know, someone watching the film, you're still empathetic towards her, even though she does have this kind of controlling nature. Yeah, there's a scene in the the bathroom that I found really interesting early on, where she's she's in the bathroom, and I'm assuming it, it's co-ed bathroom. Or... Yeah, that was strange. <laughs> yeah, they just don't seem to care, and you have the characters talking about Molly and one individual, and they, he finds Molly attractive, but her personality is what's ugly, and they start yeah. making fun of, you know, would you sleep with her? How much does that personality interact things and in any other film that would have been the moment of utter devastation but she comes sure. out say what you want i'm better than you i'm going to yale until she yep. finds out triple a <laughs> is going to, <laughs> to yale and she's like no no you there's no way you are what about yep. you tanner i'm going to stanford theo i didn't get into university because i got recruited by google so you know it's <laughs> it's that kind of comeuppance that she's kind of robbed from that every step of the way like she thinks that she can control people but as you slowly start to see she doesn't really have the power that she thinks she does it was interesting to me as well that i guess they had this rule in the school that you weren't supposed to talk about what school you got into and i 
I seem to perceive that she's the one that put that rule in place. And I kind of wondered why that was, whether that was like a protective mechanism for herself or whether she just didn't want to seem like she was gloating. But that was that, like they they obviously break that early on in the movie, which is what the catalyst is for everything else. But I thought that was an interesting plot point. Yeah, I took that as more being a commentary on how liberal schools have become and how on edge schools have become like I, I know here in Canada we've had some schools they've, they've said like you know in the winter time you can't wear Canada goose jackets uh, because kids who can't afford it feel um, less than kind of thing so I thought it was one of those things where they put in place to say like you know we don't want those unfortunate non-Yale people feeling hurt by it but at the same time we're gonna still be able to say that we went to Yale you know and do it in a way that allows us that coverage interesting I've yeah I'm too far out of high school now we just used to like wear whatever Mm. (laughs) no one and no one really like had you know had that I guess thought in place to kind of make things more equal and I suppose that's you know a bit of what they're they're going for yeah, and I, I think in many ways it's one of the film's strengths, but also a bit of a curse because I feel at times this film wants to be everything to everyone, but then it doesn't always succeed when we start getting into like this the supporting characters. And, and what I mean by that is it's a film that tries to be inclusive. It, it's definitely mm-hmm. trying to be sex positive. Like I can't remember the last teen comedy where... I got to see two young women openly talk about sex and feelings in a way that was both hilarious and you kind of just, you understood, you know, like it it felt real. It wasn't just, I don't want to go back to like, you know, the Porky's kind of reference or even super bad, what have you. Super bad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, but it, it felt a lot more like these are our actual teenagers opposed to caricatures of what teenagers yes. could be. But then at the same time, they all live in a bit of a world of privilege. Like I know Molly and Amy come from quote unquote middle-class families, but Amy can still drive around a beat up Volvo with Elizabeth Warren stickers on it. And I, black power sticker (laughs) on it and you know a hillary clinton sticker and they can go to these really lush elaborate parties at people's houses whether it be a yacht or the the drama club has this like massive house huge house yeah you you know type of thing so it's just that one of those where it's like oh you kind of want to have your kick and eat it too yeah no that's and that's a fair point i mean i think you know from my perspective I didn't need it to be everything for everyone because I felt like it was finally a movie that was made for me and for other girls that will be watching this because it's, it, as you said, it's so common to see things like super bad and like, you know, guys being gross. Or even if you're like watching TV and you're watching Riverdale, like all the girls in that are sexualized and, you know, all of that stuff. So finally, it was like a movie that seems honest and real. But you are completely right in that every person in there seems to be, you know, from a, a place of privilege. And and yes, that, that's definitely something that isn't inclusive. Yeah, and I definitely agree with your point. And I was thinking about this again when I was re-watching it for this show. This film doesn't really need to be everything for everyone. Like, I, I commend it for, for trying. Um, I, I do wish some of the supporting characters were fleshed out a little more, but then at the same time, I'm like, this film does a lot of things right. Like, it's, I can't expect Olivia Wilde to, to be the cure-all for years of Hollywood teen film lore that we've grown up with. So it's just one of those things where it's like, I really enjoy this film. I think this is my third time watching it Mm -hmm. now and it it still makes me laugh, which is 
great. It's just I kind of wish there was a little more to to some of the characters. Like I found this time around watching it, I was even more pulled in by Gigi and Jared. <laughs> and they're again, they're side characters who don't get that much screen time, but in the little bit of time that they get, I learned so much about them and I just kind of wish I had that about like you know Theo outside of he's Mexican and has a heart for his teacher and you know the uh, the drama duo of George and I think it's George and Alan that clearly have some type of tension and possibly Alan might have cheated on George based on <laughs> how he performs Alanis Morissette's uh, <laughs> you ought to know so like there's a lot of stuff that I'm like I feel there's more there that I want to dive into but I, I can't there could be a lot of stories in here I mean I think that like there has to be a focus in one spot but I will say that like Billy Lord for me like stole every scene that she was in in this movie and I I loved how strange her character was I like that they also reflected that in sometimes in the music that was being played when she was on screen I'm not gonna swear because you probably don't want me to but there's a song in there that very much reflects when they're on the yacht party what type of person she is and I just she just she seems to just pop up everywhere and you're like how does she get from one place to the other even the characters don't even know how she gets from one place to another so I mean as that sort of little continuing joke that they had um through the movie I I just I loved her character and she just she stood out to me so much even when I saw it the first time I was probably thinking about her scenes more than anything else because it was she's just so funny <laughs> what I like about her is she's completely not how she's introduced because you think she is just filthy rich uber privileged like when she comes when she's introduced she's literally hanging outside a car window like a music yes. video person and then she's lying on top of the car talking about how she's tired don't disturb her but for the rest <laughs> of the film she's just this entertaining kind of fireball of a character who gets high off of vitamin b and possibly some other things and, and some strawberries and yeah. some strawberries and can <laughs> you know dive into the water to protest the oppression of not being able to to smoke on a yacht and then magically end up at a party Dry. Before the girls, completely dry, yeah. acting out as of the wife of a murdered individual to popping up at another party. And they're like, how are you here? Well, of course I'm here. I'm Gigi. You know, I know where everything is. And it's just a very interesting character. And she's amusing, but you, you like her instantly. You like her instantly. And her character is over the top, but it's not overplayed. Um, yes. And that's that she it could have got tired real quick if they had used her too much. So I... I applaud that they had some restraint with that because it would have been very easy to rely on her for a lot of laughs yeah and you have that great moment where i guess towards the end of the film where jared is talking to molly and he says that Gigi has a lot of sadness in her that people don't even see like she's got a lot of issues going on that no one takes the time to understand and she's very loyal like she will cut someone if you you know you know anyone looks at jared the wrong way she will literally cut. so she could be a little psycho as well i believe it yeah. <laughs> and you believe it, right? But at the same time, you're like, Gigi's, she's like the best type of friend that you could have. And and she's a perfect counterbalance to Jared, who's very much the, well, my parents basically showed me that you buy friends. You buy, I guess, loyalty. He's such a tragic character. He really is. He's he's the most tragic of them all. I mean, he just, yeah, he just ha hasn't had any real connection besides from Gigi. You actually kind of feel for him. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he, he tries so hard, too hard. And, you know, by the end of it, when, you know, Molly finally kind of has that connecting moment with him, it just made me so happy for him. <laughs> 
I don't think he's a bad dude. I think he's just he, he's just not been loved in his life. Yeah, he, he's definitely definitely wants like the way how he strolls into class as if like, hey, you know, everyone come to my party. We're all good friends. The fact that he has like iPads as gift bags, he's trying his hardest to to make a connection. And then he's generally hurt when he hears the rumor that people thought that he had slept with a prostitute and everyone just assumed that it's true because the story is a really out there with a lot of details and he's just he's the type of person that with his affluence of course that's what would happen all right like there's a lot of characters in this and i would throw triple a into that equation as well that have assumptions placed on them that you get the sense we're there for most of high school or a large part of high school that no one questioned outside of amy whereas molly was more in tune to calling triple a triple a and believing that jared slept with a prostitute what have you whereas amy's like one of the few people that kind of saw people for who they actually were what was interesting to me about amy's character was that she still seemed very she was very observant of the people around her and yet for herself she was so held back and i'm not sure that whether that was just because she was kind of stifled by molly so much because i remember in the movie they said that she'd come out like two years before but she you know never had any experience you know, still was very restrained and almost withdrawn into herself. And I think, you know, beside the behemoth that is Molly's personality, that's just what happened with her. But I think she very quietly observed everybody else in her surroundings. I agree with that because I felt the, the same way watching this one again. And it was interesting seeing her try and interact with Ryan, who's the object of her affections. The, I think Molly referred to her as Avril Lavigne in, in, in Skater Boy. <laughs> And it's just, you know, there's a sweetness to Amy. There's a confidence in Amy. Like, Amy very much is Molly's cheerleader, very loyal. But I don't think she felt comfortable enough with Molly to truly have that reciprocated. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like they're they're really great friends, but Molly didn't really know much about Amy's intimate moments with her teddy bear. <laughs> That's the best way I could... I no, could say, but... whereas Amy has heard Molly's story with the toothbrush several times and kind of wants to block it out of her mind. Yeah, she wishes it was a secret. Yeah, yeah very interesting <laughs> dynamics between them. I'd say that that's what kind of leads to their big kind of explosion, I guess, is that stifling. And I think it's, you know, for me, this the scene that has stood out in this movie every single time I've watched it that I love that makes me very excited for Olivia Wilde as a director is the pool scene where Amy's swimming through the, the swimming pool yes. and kind of comes up and she just kind of almost, it's almost freeing for her, that little swim sequence. And that's almost like what gives her the strength to stand up to her. It, it's almost like a rebirth for Amy doing that swim. And that scene to me is just, I just love it. Just visually, it's it's appealing. And I what I love about that sequence is it's freeing. The first time she goes in, you know, very euphoric, she's finally allowed to kind of be herself, have a good time. And then when she goes back under, she starts to see Ryan's feet intertwined with Nick's and realizes that with freedom and love, there's going to be some tragic moments. And she's instantly met with one. And then it quickly goes from her getting dressed and navigating through all those people to find Molly. And when she's in the pool navigating through the people, it's it's freeing. And it's almost kind of claustrophobic when she's back in the house because now she doesn't know how to quite cope with it. And the, the one person that should be helping her decides at that moment that I not going to listen to you because I have my own issues to to deal with. And it's it's a very isolating sequence and I just the way how Olivia Wall constructs that whole two scenes I, I absolutely love and I 
and I think just the overall visual look of this film is really good. Like there's everything from the slow motion sequence in the high school when the the final bell rings and people are destroying the school throwing water balloons. Water balloons. I love the water balloons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and a great closing credit moment as well. I kept wondering I was like how much did they pay them for for, for that? You have to sit really still while this water balloon smashes you in the face. But then there's also like the scene outside the pizza parlor where like the neon lights are essentially what are lighting Amy and Molly as they wait for a ride to be picked up the even the dance sequence at the party when molly has that little fantasy with her and um, oh yes Nick, it's it's sh- shot so well like olivia well has a, a visual flair like she definitely understands characters and how to bring out the best of her actors but just from a visual standpoint i was really taken by this film yeah and it would be so easy and just what could be labeled a teen comedy to just ignore that right? Like you didn't have to make the pool sequence as beautiful as it was. You don't have to, but, but she did. And it's one of those things that, again, it makes me, makes me really excited for what she has next, especially with the cast that she's accumulated herself. And what did you think of the moment where they realize that they had done drugs, that the strawberries they ate were laced. <laughs> and there's a, a wonderful animated sequence that the occurs. The Barbie doll moment? The Barbie doll yeah. moment. Yeah. I loved their commentary through the Barbie doll moment, especially when they're like, my proportions, like my legs are too long and my boobs are too big. Like I can't even stand up properly. Because <laughs> that's always been like one of my biggest pet peeves <laughs> with, with dolls uh, that we had as children. I think sometimes things have been slightly altered now, but I still think that they're disproportionate. But so I enjoyed the little kind of feminist commentary that they had interspersed through that. I think the animation was genius. I loved when she had the little hole in her hands and they're trying to climb up and she's like, put put your hole in my heel. And it was, it, it was just yeah, it was amusing. Uh, it was unexpected. The first time I watched it, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> but the more times I watch this movie, the more I actually really appreciate that sequence. Yeah, the commentary is great. And I also like that there's a moment where Amy starts to be swayed by the yeah. power of, yes. of, of being the Barbie doll. It's like, maybe I don't need to be smart. All I need is to have these proportions and yeah. and life will be good. And she's like, don't ruin this for me, Molly. She's like trying to get her butt. Yeah, it was it was very funny. Yeah, just a, a, a wonderful use. I mean, there's a lot of great comedic commentary throughout. That's, I think, one of the, the best ones. I even found the sequence with the teachers interesting. We, we see more with Principal Brown than we do Ms. Fine. But when, when Principal Brown shows up in as their Lyft driver, Mm-hmm. And then he's talking about, well, you know, as a teacher's salary, it's really not that much. So I have to take up this side job. And then he's also talking about how he's an author writing this mystery about a pregnant detective. And he's, he assumes <laughs> that the women are going to instantly like it because it's a, a female detective who's pregnant and she gets kicks when she gets close to a clue. It's like, that's a horrible idea. But of course, as a man, you would think women would, would love that. Yeah, but he has no idea what's going to happen when the baby's born. Yes. That, that, was, that was his biggest problem. Yeah. And I mean, I, I like uh, Miss Fine. I mean, number one, she's the coolest teacher I never had. But number two, she she has that commentary of I'm a single woman in L.A. Like, I've, I got to have all these clothes in my car. Like, I got to be ready for anything kind of thing, which I quite appreciated. But there's that whole she didn't party when she was in high school and it led her down this horrible path in her 20s. Like she went really buck wild to a, to a level that you shouldn't. And you go, what? Partying in high school is not the end all and be all. Like there's more, there's more to life after 
high school. But I just found it funny that her whole life was ruined to a certain extent because she didn't get that early partying in. Oh, like she needed to get it out of her system, I guess. I, I, I mean, I didn't have that experience. <laughs> so yeah. I can't, I can't relate. Yeah. I'm like, I, you know, I wasn't a big partier in high school, but I don't know. I found university, there was a lot more studying, of course, and, you know, the, the odd partying here, here or there. Yeah. I mean, I, I was trying to get into vet school, so I was, uh, second year was all buckle down. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, so this film is all completely foreign to you then? No, I was like, look, like, I am not completely Molly. Like, let's, let's get that straight. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I. I did appreciate the fact that, you know, there was characters in this movie that reflected how hard I felt I had to work in high school. Mm -hmm. And again, it, I probably didn't, but at the time I felt I needed to. And so when I was first watching this movie, I was like, oh my gosh, like that's was kind of me <laughs> like up on screen. And so I, I felt myself reliving some of her mistakes, I guess. And, and that was okay. I mean, I, I turned out all right. So so will Molly. So will Amy. Yeah, and and that's one of the the beauties of this film is like it doesn't shame you for trying to achieve whatever your your dream is. The nerd's not getting pushed into the pool. In, in this case, the the brain is choosing to be into the pool. Like it's, you know, there's a lot of freedom that they have, and one of the ways that they get to the party is by using their their intellect. Yes. <laughs> Although maybe not so smart getting into the car of the pizza delivery guy at the end. Uh, yes. <laughs> that wasn't so wise uh, as we find out. However, um, other than that, yeah, it was a kind of a cool little like mystery sequence. Got to find their way to the party, which created all sorts of wacky circumstances for them. I liked their little journey to the party. It would have been like a much different movie had they just managed to get to Nick's aunt's, I guess it was his aunt's house right off the bat. I liked their journey on how they had to get there, including, I mean, that, that gave them their, their big scene with Jared and finding out a little bit more about him and Gigi. Yeah, that's true. And I, I want to get back to the pizza guy for a minute because <laughs> that's, it still makes me laugh, but there's a certain level of absurdity to it. As smart as these young women are, that's just a really dumb move to pretend that you're going to rob an individual and then ask that in same individual that you attempted to rob or get information from to drive you to a party like when he's <laughs> when he's explaining all the things that could happen before you find out who he really is you're kind of nodding with him you're like yeah I, i'm really on this guy's side that was a horrible plan yeah their hair masks were not going to save them you know should they needed help so <laughs> and we're not very good disguises either shall i say however if i ever need one i know what to do now but yeah, that that was kind of one of their moments of desperation, I guess. But it, yeah, it wasn't very bright. And especially if we find out it really wasn't that bright. And I guess I'm not sure like why he ended up saving them at the end when you find out that he actually is a criminal. <laughs> oh, you mean in terms of getting Amy out of jail or? No, like when you find out the pizza driver actually oh, okay. is like, a, you know, what was it? The Strangler or something? Yeah. I think they show his, his picture. I'm like, why didn't he do anything to them? <laughs> they were easy bait but i mean i guess it just solidifies it that that was a really close call you know for them so even though they're on this like whimsical journey to a party we can't forget that they're actually in a city <laughs> that does have some danger aspects to it yeah it's not all all roses for them and it's funny because when i the first time i saw it i initially thought okay, maybe he doesn't want his cover blown because he's got this good side gig and he probably still had a pizza to deliver. 
but <laughs> but now thinking back okay, to your fair. words, yeah, I was like, you know, you're right. He could have easily taken them away, like, but I think he was just kind of <laughs> fed up. I think like maybe dealing with the people at Nick's party had ticked him off so much that he was willing to to give up the address then, and he even was offended when he was looking at her passcode. So I felt like yeah. he yeah, maybe yeah. he wasn't in the he <laughs> wasn't in the killing mood. <laughs> Where he's, it's just a, a demonstration of how absolutely frustrating and annoying that they can actually be yes. <laughs> with their persistence, right? Like Molly was very persistent in the car. She's just like, get, get out. Like <laughs> <laughs> with you. Parts of the movie that like makes me laugh the most, even though it's probably the silliest, is when they're in the car with the principal and he accidentally puts on the porn. Yes. <laughs> And I always feel absolutely ridiculous laughing at it, but it probably, it gets me every time. <laughs> so much humor in this movie, and yet that's what I laugh at. Especially when he says, you know, is that Cardi B? And, like, he, he's so desperate to try and, and be hip and, and cool. cool. And <laughs> what I also like about that scene is there's clearly other things going on in that video, but Molly misses a moment, so they have to rewind it, right? So she's like, oh, I missed something really good. Can we rewind it? <laughs> And then even later when they when she's run out of battery and they're like, well, how did we lose it? Well, we streamed a lot of porn, right? And you think, well, and that what we thought was a a short ride was, I guess, long enough that they watched several videos to to, to drain their battery. Overall, it's just a a delightful film. It puts me in a good mood when I watch it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, as I was telling you earlier, I don't rewatch a lot of movies, but this is one that I've, I've, I've watched and I clearly watched it on prime actually before. Cause when I went to rewatch it again, it was already in the credits. So yeah, but I, I enjoy it and it's, it's easy to watch, but yet if you want to unpack it, there's more under the surface that I, that I really like. It's, it's smart filmmaking. One of the other things that I really enjoyed in this, and I, I mentioned it quickly, was actually the use of music. Like if you actually sit down and listen to the soundtrack of this movie, it's, it's quite good. And I appreciate the ability of a a filmmaker and the people who work on the film to actually curate a really good playlist. Like the Garden State soundtrack is still one of my favorite albums like ever. So when you, can actually sit down and actually listen to a soundtrack from beginning to end. And especially if you can picture some of the scenes that these songs come from, I, I think that means that the soundtrack's been well executed. And I think there was a lot of detail put into the soundtrack um, if you actually listen to it. Rewatching it again, I quickly had to Shazam the, the song for the pool sequence. When, yeah, when Perfume diving. Genius. Yep. Yeah, because it was, <laughs> it was like, I don't know, I, think, I guess the, the first two times I watched it, it didn't register but this particular time I was like I really gotta get that song like that's such a beautiful song it's interesting that the title of that song is slip away which I I find you know again that may be totally unintentional I might be reading too much into it but the fact that it's it's there as she's like slipping under the water and then finds that you know her love interest is no longer available to her that you know those things I love and it and they they use a really great song with Billy Lord in that one scene that if you go onto the soundtrack list, you'll know which one I'm talking about. Yeah, I'll definitely have to give that a look. Hillary, thank you for coming on the show. Where can listeners find you? I'm on Twitter at PetDocHill. And then any of my writing is on Live for Film. Or you can go to the uh, Cherry Picks website where uh, it also gets uh, submitted. Excellent. And listeners, you can find me on Twitter at SmallMind. Or you can reach the show on Twitter at ChangingReelsAC. Uh, Thank you for listening, and remember, you can change the conversation on diversity and representation in cinema one reel at a time.